is number one in 2024? Right now it's early. It is only December 17th or December 18th, wherever you are listening. But I'm going to share my thoughts on the candidates to be the number one pick and be the first player called by Adam Silver in June. So far, nobody has separated themselves, in my opinion. So I'm going to share my thoughts on the candidates to be the top pick in this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. Stay tuned. Shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. And before I get too deep into this episode, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the easiest and the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. So go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. You have to use all lowercase letters for a first deposit match up to $100. First of all, I'd like to apologize for the lack of content last week. If you remember, I... Well, I'm still here. I am, am, I am in, I can't talk. I am in Nairobi, Kenya. I've been here for a little over a week now. I'm here scouting. Found some, some pretty intriguing young players that I think could come to the U.S. and play, whether it's high school ball, college ball, maybe down the line play professional basketball, but I'm here on a scouting trip, and I went on a safari right after the camp, and then I I just lost my voice. Like, I could not talk, and even now, I don't know if my voice is going to be able to hold up for an entire podcast, but I just haven't been able to talk, and, uh, you know, that's pretty important when, when you're doing podcasts every day, but I've been able to watch film, so I'm just looking forward to, uh, I'm just glad to be back on the mic, and then I leave here. And Nairobi, I leave here later on today. I'm excited. I'm going to the second leg of the camp, which is in London. I decided to stay in Nairobi between dates because it's significantly cheaper to stay in Nairobi for five days than it is in London. Because right now, based off of the exchange, 100 US dollars is only like 70 pounds. While a hundred US dollars here in Nairobi is probably like, I want to say like 26,000 Kenyan shilling or, or something crazy like that. So it just made the most financial sense. But I'm ready to get out of here. I'm, I'm, I am ready to get out of here. I'm looking forward to going to London. But more importantly, I'm looking forward to going home. I haven't been home in like two weeks. So, um, Holidays coming up, and this is just the the life of a scout. So anyway, let's get right into it. So coming into this season, I thought that there were three guys that I thought had really a really strong chance to be the number one pick. So that was Justin Edwards from Kentucky, Matas Bazelis from the G League Ignite, and Ron Holland. So fast forward, it is December. And I, the list has changed. I don't think there's a chance that Justin Edwards could go number one. Alex Saar is definitely in that mix now, and I think he's probably the favorite to go number one based off of his strong performance at the G League Fall Invitational. We've talked about that quite a bit. And then I would say I would add I would add Isaiah Collier to that mix. But right now, there's there's not a prospect that I'm 
in love with. There's not a prospect that I feel like is the clear cut number one pick in the 2024 draft. I think that I don't want to say it's a weak draft. I've probably said that enough. I think it's really going to come down to like fit. Like, I think it's really going to come down to fit. I mean, the Detroit Pistons aren't, you can say that they're in a situation where they need to take the best player available. But if Isaiah Collier, for example, is the best player and the Pistons get the number one pick, that makes absolutely zero sense. And this was something I said last year with, with Scoot Henderson. I didn't think he made sense for the Pistons. Caught a lot of flack for that. And even with um, Asura Thompson, I'm not a big fan of that fit just because of the spacing that Detroit needs. I, I like Asura as a player. And then you look at San Antonio, for example. They're in need of a point guard. Isaiah Collier, if he is, you know, if the Spurs win the the, the lottery for the second year in a row, and if Isaiah Collier is the, the best point guard available, I don't even know if that's a lock. As I mentioned in, in the last episode, that the Spurs could possibly have two lottery picks. And so I don't even know if Isaiah Collier would be a lock to go number one if the San Antonio Spurs win the lottery again and they need a point guard. So I'm not in love with anybody in this draft, and I'm going to share the candidates that I think could be the top pick. As of now, I mean, obviously things can change. I would say there are four guys that could be in that range. It is Alex Sarr. Maras Bozelis, Ron Holland, and Isaiah Collier. So I'm going to share my thoughts and I share my their strengths and the areas of concern. So I'll start off with Alex Sar. Alex Sar is a phenomenal talent. I love the size, the wingspan, the athleticism. I like that he can put the ball on the floor. He can attack a closeout. I think defensively he's going to be an all-defensive team player at some point in his career. Just an extremely, extremely talented big that fits the modern NBA. Sars playing for the Perth Wildcats. He's currently averaging 9.8 points, 4.9 rebounds, 1.1 assists. He's averaging 1.3 blocks per game. And the numbers aren't going to wow you and stand out. He is playing in a professional league. And he's playing a little under 20 minutes per game. Shooting 48% from the floor, 28% from three, and 60% from the foul line. He's only going to be 19 on draft night still 18 years old now and like I mentioned I just think that he has the potential to be a really really impactful defender in the NBA he'll be able to switch out on guards he'll be able to protect the rim I think he's very very talented my concerns are I think the shot is still a work in progress I mean like I say he's only shooting 28 percent from three he's only shooting 60 percent from the foul line if you're the type of person that believes free throw percentage is a strong indicator of shooting touch then there should be a little concern there if the shot doesn't pan out, if he's not a respectable floor spacer, then what is he? Because he's only shooting like 31%. You heard that correctly. 31% as the role man. And there was an episode earlier this year, maybe about a month or so ago with my brother. And my brother mentioned that he doesn't think Sar has great hands. And so if you're going to be a role man and you don't have great hands, I think that's going to be... I think that's going to be an uphill climb to be an elite role man if, if your hands aren't great and you can't catch pocket passes in tight spaces. So my concerns are the outside shooting and what is he if he doesn't become a reliable outside shooter. Again, he's very young. He's still only 18 years old, so he has plenty of time to develop. He definitely needs to get stronger. 
and I think some of his misses around the basket are due to lack of strength and, and physicality. Another concern that I have, and this is, you know, this is it's locked on NBA Big Boy. It's me, Rafael Barlow, and I am not afraid to express my concerns or my doubts. But another concern that I have is that Sar has had a tendency to kind of float prior to this season and not necessarily dominate games like he should. What happens if he's content with floating? And so I feel like in, in Perth, they've kind of pushed him. They, they've pushed him to the point to where he's playing with a little more fire, a little bit more intensity than I've seen out of him in years past. But it's something that I'm going to just kind of keep an eye on. And, and you just got to wonder if, if there's a situation to where he is content with floating and he's not bringing the energy and the competitive fire that he has brought this season. So that, those are my concerns about Alex Sar. But overall, if I were a betting man, I, I'd bet that he is the number one pick. I think that for him, no matter who is selecting number one, whether it's the Spurs, the Wizards, or, or the Pistons, I think that he can fit there. Obviously, with Detroit, I mean, they, they their front court is a little crowded, but I think they'd make room for him. I think he would hurt with the spacing early on, but he could be someone down the line could be a, a perfect pick-and-pop candidate for for Kate Cunningham or Floor Spacer. But Alex Sarr would be the guy who I think would be the number one pick Right now, if the season ended today and the lottery was tomorrow, I think whoever would have the number one pick would go with Alex Sar. All right, when we return, I want to talk about three other players. So I'm just kind of squeezing them in. But the next player that I want to talk about is Mataz Bazelis, who I've turned the corner on Bazelis over the last five games playing for the G League Ignite. But before I talk about Bazellus, I want to talk to you about Prize Picks, which, which is our sponsor. And Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. And it is the easiest and the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. All you have to do is pick two to six players, and you are just picking them versus the projected numbers. You're not playing against anybody, it's just them versus the numbers. And they have a special combo league. I think this would be a lot of fun if you're interested in, in, in multiple sports platforms. But with this combo league, you can pick two or more players from different sports leagues. For example, you can pick LeBron James and Travis Kelsey as a 10.5 combination of three-pointers made and receptions. And then also, if you want to play against someone, because again, you're just playing against the numbers with prize, kicks, prize picks, but if you want to play against someone, you can actually play against some celebrities like Meek Mill and the Community Plays. So check out the Community Plays promo in the app. So go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. It has to be lowercase for a first deposit match up to $100. I'm excited to announce that Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top stories of the day from our local experts and with the Locked On national shows, which cover every league. 
So go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, my voice made it through one segment. Hopefully I can make it through the rest of this episode. All right, the next player that I want to talk about is Maras Bazelis. I like Maras. He's grown on me, especially over the last the last five games with the G League Ignite. When I saw him play at the, the G League Fall Invitational, I thought he got his numbers. And I actually mentioned this in the last episode that um, I did on Monday last week. I thought he got his numbers, but I thought that he was a player that kind of floated. He didn't necessarily impact games. I thought that there were long stretches where you didn't know he was on the floor, which is kind of scary for a guy that that you're expected to be a, a potential number one pick. Well, since he's come back from injury, Bazelis has been one of the the most impressive prospects that I've seen. I know it's just a five-game stretch, but he does some things that I believe will put him in position to be the number one pick. We're talking about a guy that's 6'11". He's a natural 6'11 wing. He moves like a guard, plays like a guard. I mean, he's just a natural wing. I like the fluidity, and he's just really impressed me with his play over the last few games. He's averaging 15.5 rebounds per game, shooting 52% from the floor, only 21% from three and 80% from the foul line. But one of his strengths coming into this season was that he was a good shooter. So he's playing really well, and he's been impressive despite the fact that the jump shot is not falling from long range. He's also averaging assists per game, 1.6 blocks and 1.2 steals. A concern that I had and a lot of scouts that I've talked to had about Bazelis was him as a defender. We knew that he could block shots on the prep levels. We knew that he was a pretty good defender in AU in high school because of his size and his athleticism. But he wasn't physical. He shied away from physicality, and that was somewhat of a concern. I thought that teams would really pick on him on the defensive end in the G League because it is a grown man's league. Well, so far, he's putting up stocks. I mean, he's putting up 2.8 stocks per game. He's blocking shots. He was always a good shot blocker. And so I think that he is in a really good position to be the top pick because, again, he is knocking down shots and scoring without been able to to make three-pointers so what I like about him is the ball handling he shows some creativity off the dribble I saw a play where he got the ball in isolation and he was able to create space with a behind-the-back dribble he uses his size to pull up over the top of smaller defenders he's a good athlete he's had some very nice left-hand drives I think that's important for him to to be able to finish with both hands but it's not necessarily just left-hand finishes at the rim it's like left hand touch shots and, and soft touch finishes he can shoot on the move I like the way that they're using him they're using him in action play sometimes he's initiating the offense sometimes he's coming off pin downs and I just love how fluid he is and how he moves and the NBA is currently a league that there's just a heavy emphasis and a lot of value with wings and if you have a 6'11 wing that can potentially be a three level score that, that would be tough to pass up the outside shot isn't falling, like I said, only 20%. Now, he is only shooting 50% on layups at the rim. I think that is part of the adjustment to physicality. He's definitely going to have to get stronger. He looks like he has gotten a little bit stronger. So those are my concerns there. Not necessarily the shot, because I think the shot is going to fall. I don't have any issues with, with the shooting. But I will say 
I think that there could be some short-term issues with physicality because his frame is very thin, 6'11", 195 pounds. But he has, in my opinion, done some things to address some of those concerns. And so right now I just think he needs to bulk up and continue to play the way he's played. And if he does, I think that he could be the number one pick. I'm giving the edge to Saar right now, but maybe in a week or so, maybe after the G League showcase, Bozellis could be the guy that is number one on a lot of boards for NBA scouts. All right, the next player that I want to talk about is his teammate, Ron Holland. And Ron has been very productive. He's averaging 20 points per game for the Ignite. He's listed at 6'8", 200. I think that's a little generous. I think he's closer to about 6'6", but he's averaging 20 points per game, 6.8 rebounds, 2.5 assists, one block, 1.9 steals per game. So he's averaging a little under three stocks per game. He's shooting 48% from the floor, but only 28% from three and 68% from the foul line. So this may sound uh, a little crazy, even though he's shooting a higher percentage from three than Bozellas, I do have more questions and concerns about his three-point shooting than Bozellas's currently. But Ron is an intriguing prospect, a little divisive, a little, a, lot, a little bit more divisive of a prospect than I think a lot of people believe. I've spoken to NBA scouts and... I'll just say that some are pretty divided on him, but one of the things that Ron has in his favor is that he has an excellent, excellent motor. One of the best motors I've seen from a prospect. I mean, he is all over the floor. He just makes an impact with his energy and his athleticism and his effort. Sometimes his his energy and effort can get him into a little bit of trouble on the defensive end because he gambles. But I had a scout tell me that he's used to guarding all over the floor on the high school level. You know, if, if you could put him on one through five on high school, and if there was a guy that wasn't a threat to score, he could roam and float and just be such a disruptive defender. That's not necessarily the case in the G League. He has to be a little bit more disciplined. But you love the fact that he has effort. I mean, he has the things that you can't teach. Like I said, the effort and the athleticism. He's been scoring. He's been putting up some big numbers for the Ignite. And I was critical on the Ignite. Maybe about two or three weeks ago, they had lost their first four or five games by average of like 25 points. But they have gotten better. And that's the whole thing with the Ignite. You want to see guys improve. And guys have gotten better. The team has improved. They've won four games now. The team that blew them out by... 40-something a few weeks ago. I think they only lost by two points. So they, they have improved. They've gotten better. Ron has had some big games. He's had 32 points against the Stockton Kings. He had 31 against the Santa Cruz Warriors, 28 against the Rip City Remix. I mean, that's, that's a new team. So it's kind of difficult. To, it just doesn't flow off the tongue, Rip City Remix. But Ron has played well, just a an intense competitor. Sometimes his competitive fire gets the best of him. I know he's had a few games where he's had techs. My concerns with Ron are the outside shooting. I'm just not a believer and and the consistency of his shot. The shot looks good. I will say that much. It looks good. And he has great touch around the rim as far as just being able to make floaters and 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 soft touch finishes around the rim in traffic. So the touch isn't isn't much of a concern. I do think that once he gets a little older, again, he's only 18 years old, that, that he will be a 
a respectable shooter. I don't know if he's going to be like a great shooter, but I think he'll be a respectable shooter. And for him, that's all he needs to be because once you respect the three ball, then that's just going to open up driving lanes for him because he is just an incredible slasher, elite first step. I mean, one of the best first steps that you ever see on a wing. But if there was a concern is what is his best position? And so if his best position, naturally you may say it, it is a three. I think it can be hard to be a three in today's NBA if you are not a, a, a knockdown shooter. Um, I just wonder like his role and in, in, in his fit in the NBA. And when I've talked to different scouts, I mean, they've given so many different comparisons. It's like a wide range of guys that he's compared to. Another concern that I have for Ron is the passing. I think that because he plays at, at, at such a high speed that he doesn't have great pace. I thought he was a really solid passer on the high school level. But I think right now the decision-making and the passing is a major work in progress. I mean, right now he's averaging four turnovers a game, 3.8 turnovers to be exact, which the numbers have gone down a little bit. He did have an 11 turnover game earlier in the season. So I like to see him add a little bit of pace, but I do have some concerns about his long-term role and, and fit in the NBA. Even though he's projected to be a really high pick, I think he maxes out as a complimentary guy as opposed to a a a franchise player so i think that and this is just my opinion i think that if ron maximizes his talent Manas maximizes his talent and sar maximizes his talent i think that sar and bozellis could be number one or number two guys on a really good team i think if ron maximizes his talent i think he ends up being like an elite role player and I know for some people that may sound crazy, but when I think of an elite role player, I think of a guy that could be an all-star, that can be the third best player on a championship team, a guy that, that that may be like a number one or number two option on a bad team and then maybe down the line goes to like a championship level team and ends up being like a, a major piece to that team's puzzle. So that's just my thoughts on Ron Holland. All right, when we return, the last prospect I'll talk about is USC freshman Isaiah Collier. I'll talk about what I like about Collier. I'll talk about his strengths and I'll talk about his concerns and what I would like to see from him or what he would need to do to be the number one pick. Stay tuned. As the weather gets colder, well, it's not too cold. I'm mean, if you're watching on YouTube, I have on shorts. But as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Because right now, if you are a new customer, if you are a new customer, you get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That is $150 if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time than to do it than right now. The year is wrapping up. So this is a great time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options that include spreads, player props, overs, unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on because FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL and locked on. All right, the last segment, one more segment. Come on, voice. I need you to I need you to, to hold it down for me. I'm gonna talk about USC freshman Isaiah Collier. We've talked about Collier quite a bit over the last month or so. 
I do think that there is a chance that he could be the number one pick, but I would say out of the guys that I mentioned earlier in this episode, I think that they have a better opportunity. Tyler got off to a pretty good start, and the numbers have kind of tailed off a little bit, especially the outside shooting, but he's a guy that just makes an impact. He's an aggressive, assertive downhill driver i've seen him listed at 6'5 210 i mean he's physical loves contact embraces contact not afraid of the moment just someone that you know is a dog is an alpha and like i said is going to make an impact and like i mentioned about about ron holland i think ron holland and isaiah collier are, are the two guys that you know at the very minimum even if their shot is not falling you know that they're out there on the floor because they are going to do things that, I mean, just make an impact, right? And so my concern about the top two guys, Saar and Bazellas, is that they may have a tendency to float and, and disappear from time to time, maybe can be passive, kind of let the game come to them. Well, Collier is not a guy. Well, of course, he's a point guard, so he does have the ball in his hands. He's like a quarterback, but he's, he's not a guy that lets the game come to him. He impacts the tempo of the game. And so that's one of the things I like most about Collier. The passing has been a little, it, it hasn't lived up to my expectations. I, I, coming into the year, I thought that he was going to be one of the better passing point guards in the nation. He's averaging four assists per game, which is not bad. But the passing hasn't been what I expected. Right now, the passing seems a little basic, driving kicks, dump-offs. I'm not seeing like the live dribble passes. I'm not seeing like the pace out of pick and rolls. I'm not seeing just the exceptional court vision that I was expecting. And the turnovers are very, very concerning. He's averaging 4.4 turnovers per game. Not all the turnovers are like live ball turnovers as far as like bad passes, but he has a tendency to run over guys. He's picking up charges. And then also the, the accuracy on the passes hasn't been hasn't been the best. I've seen quite a few plays where I thought that the his shooters haven't had clean looks because he wasn't able to hit them in a shooting pocket. But right now he's averaging 17 points per game, three rebounds, four assists, shooting 49% from the floor, but 32% from three. The 32% from three is is probably about where I expected him to be coming into the year. That was his biggest concern. There was a point earlier in the season where he was pretty efficient from three. It wasn't on a high volume of attempts, but he was around 40%. But the numbers have kind of declined since then. I know against Long Beach State, he was 0 for 5 from three. And I don't know what was going on that particular game, but he was 5 for 15 from the floor, 0 for 5 from three, and he was 5 of 12 from the foul line. And so that is something that I'll, I'll be monitoring throughout the season because right now he's shooting 67% from the foul line. And so when you, you look at like a point guard that may struggle with shooting, I mean, that heavily, heavily, heavily impacts your offense. And so, yeah, the, the biggest concern with, with Collier is definitely the shooting. And I think it's very difficult to play point guard in today's NBA if you can't shoot. So I use Scoot Henderson, for example. Scoot had some concerns about his outside shooting, not as many concerns as Isaiah Collier, but Scoot is really struggling for the Blazers right now. He's averaging a little under 11 points per game, but he's shooting 36% from the floor, 23% from deep, and 70% at the foul line. And I watched the game against the Mavericks earlier today, and his first jump shot 
hit nothing but backboard. His second jump shot was an air ball. There was a play where he was open on the wing, and you could tell that he didn't have confidence. He passed up an open shot, dribbled into space, and then picked up his dribble and almost traveled. But all of that was because he wasn't confident in his jumper. Then he got rolling. He made a couple layups on drives to the rim, and then he caught a – he made a catch-and-shoot jumper, and he shot it confidently. But Scoot's lack of shooting has definitely been alarming. And so with Isaiah Collier, who a lot of people will tell you this, at the same stage, Scoot was a better shooter, considered a better shooter. With Isaiah Collier in his shooting, I wonder, you know, as a rookie, how much is he going to struggle because he's not shooting a good percentage from the foul line. He does get to the line. That's one of the things I really do like about him is that he's shooting about seven free throw attempts per game. And like, like I said, he's aggressive. He initiates the action. He loves physicality. He loves to get downhill. He loves getting into the paint, which is something that I really value out of a point guard. But if he's not making free throws, how confident are you going to be to give him the ball late in the game? And then if he's not making jump shots, teams are just going to go under every single screen. And once teams are going under every single screen, then you can guard a point guard that can't shoot with almost anybody. Like I've seen Josh Giddy, for example. I've seen the Mavericks guard Josh Giddy with Derek Lively. I saw the Dallas Mavericks guard Scoot Henderson with Grant Williams. And so for Collier, the key for him is the outside shooting. Now maybe if he can finish with a you know, just have a good month or have a, a good stretch down the line and knock down some open shots. Maybe he could be the number one pick. I think that's the main thing that he's missing. But that is the biggest concern is the shooting, the turnovers, and the passing hasn't been as good as advertised. But despite all of that, despite the fact that I'm concerned about, like I say, the, the, the court vision, the decision-making, and the shooting, he's averaging 17 points per game. He's getting to the line. He is getting downhill. He's collapsing the defense. He's doing the things that I personally like out of point guards. So with all that being said, right now, I'd have to rank Alex Saar as the, the top pick in the 2024 draft with Bazelis coming right behind him. I'd say Ron Holland is number three. I don't think Isaiah Collier is a lock at number four. I think you can make a strong case if you like Collier. You can make a strong case and say Nikola Toppage has been better. Zachary Rieseshay, hey, I've had my doubts about him. He has quieted the doubts. You know what? Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's the games that I go to that Rieseshay does nothing. So I'm going to stop going to Rieseshay games. But I can't deny the, the impact that he's had and the way that he's performed. So he could be someone that could be in the mix to be the top pick in June. I mean, this draft is wide open. I know there's people that like Stefan Castle. He's not playing at 100%, and he could be a name that, that we, we hear in consideration for the top pick. I mean, this draft is wide open. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow. I apologize for lack of content last week. My voice is still a little scratchy. I probably won't be able to talk for the rest of the day. But once again, thank you for making the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. And I am out.